أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما نافعا اللهم أرنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه وأرنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه ربي اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل الأقدة من لساني يفقه قولي السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bedi-Uzzaman Said Nursi podcast series This is Mustafa Tuna You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you listen to your podcasts or at the website www.reflections-rn.org. In this episode, inshallah, we will continue reading the 10th word. The 10th word is about the verity reality of life after death and bodily resurrection. It is a lengthy treatise. It has uh, three main sections. The first one was a representational story. We read through that and that set a pattern of thought in our minds. If you have not listened to the beginning of this treatise, or if you have not read the beginning of this treatise, it might be a good idea to go and start from the beginning or perhaps read from the beginning up to the point that where we are, which is the end of the seventh truth. The second section was in way of an introduction, a few uh, issues that clarified uh, the indications in the representational story that we read. And the third point is a list of truths. And these are really, really powerful truths, powerful evidences that Ustad Nursi brings to the verity reality of life after death and bodily resurrection. And this is important because in the... Um, tradition of Islamic scholarship, the issues beyond prophet, prophethood and uh, the oneness and existence and some of the attributes of God are usually referred to uh, the scripture saying that these are issues that cannot or do not need to be proven uh, through intellectual reasoning. Uh, we Once we establish that the Prophet وسلم, is a true a prophet and the Quran is God's uh, word, God's message to the creation. Whatever is in there, in what they say in the Quran and the prophetic traditions, has to be taken as truth. And that is valid. That is perfectly fine. That has maintained the faith of millions, perhaps billions of believers throughout history. However, at the time that we are in, the challenges, the challenges to articles of faith have started to come from a, from a more uh, intellectually based, more observationally based, more empirically based uh, ground. The challenge to faith in the given era that we live in comes from two main sources. One is science which is supposed to be an investigation of reality as reality is, but because it is a boxed science in the sense that it does not, it, it 
does not look beyond what is empirically visible and limits itself to that which can be empirically uh, observed and experimentally proven without any inference beyond that and it con it considers any inference beyond the empirical observation and experimental findings a almost a heresy right it's it's boxed in in in this visible realm and despite this limitation it claims authority to reality and truth and that authority is almost universally accepted because of the technological benefits that it offers science is one source and of, of disbelief and the other source is um entertainment the, the almost inflation of the uh, compulsive soul to such an extent that it fills the existence of the entire existence of human beings so in this context the more proofs we have the better the more evidence we have the more tools we get, give to the intellect in order to use against the compulsive soul when it tries to pull the self to a base level the better and Ustad Norsi with inspiration from the Quran gives us these tools these evidences these instruments proofs in the tenth word each of these truths begins uh, by giving us what it is the gate of for instance the seventh word that we began reading in the last episode of the tenth word was the gate of preservation and the conduct of being the preserver i.e we look around in the cosmos that we live and we see a process of preservation in the seeds in the eggs in the memories of human beings in the memories of all things to the extent that they have memories for instance metal has a, a memory right the the molecules the atoms have memories in the sense that the, the molecules in a rock all stay together what keeps it together there is some kind of preservation that maintains it as is right in the sense uh, in the in the sense that there is an order in the cosmos that we observe and it is being preserved the earth is always rotating around the sun on a, a set orbit and so on and so forth there is this preservation in the cosmos that we look around and then the next step the these truths say that this is this fact that we are observing is the reflection manifestation of one or some of god's names so the preservation and the conduct of being the preserver right is a reflection of god's divine names of the preserver and the watchful the, the al-hafil and al-raqib so then we do this observation of the cosmos in the light of the quran our intellect is able to make this observation and infer the conclusions that we conclude from them but without guidance it's almost impossible for it to get there it will be lost 
it's it's in in a maze of ideas it will be lost and therefore we are also given the guidance of the quran to guide us in the correct direction through the this maze of ideas and possibilities then we therefore we look at the quran and the quran uh, corroborates confirms what we observe then we say okay so this cosmos indicates the existence of a creator who has these attributes and his message his word to us is also confirming that finding and this is what we observe now and here what do we expect from him next we all depart from this earth this this world that we are living in is this the be all and all what happens to us after we move on and then when we ask so what do we expect from this lord who has all these attributes the answer consistently has been so far we are in the seventh truth that he is going to give us life after death that is what we expect from him if he is the preserver he will not let our efforts go to waste he will not let our uh, crimes misdemeanors the corruption that we impose on this earth to be forgotten he will not do that and each of the truths as we said refer to a certain observation and a certain name or names uh, that relate to it so the seventh truth we began this we read the entire text but there was a lengthy side note toward the end of it and we had to leave it out because of time considerations inshallah today we will read that uh, side note and then move on to the eighth eighth truth if time permits inshallah we will see so just to repeat what this was about as we said the seventh truth is the gate of preservation and the conduct of being the preserver we enter through that gate and start our investigation and it is a reflection of the names the preserver and the watchful al-hafid and al-raqib in the last paragraph of this truth we read first in turkish hem bütün gelecek zamanda olan mümkinata kadir olduğuna bütün geçmiş zamandaki mucizat-ı kudreti olan vukuat-ı şehadet eden ve kıyamet ve haşre pek benzeyen kış ile baharı her vakit bil müşahede icat eden bir kadir-i zülcelal'den insan nasıl ademe gidip kaçabilir, toprağa girip saklanabilir? Madem bu dünyada ona layık muhasebe görülüp hüküm verilmiyor, elbette bir mahkeme-i kübra, bir saadeti uzmaya gidecektir. Moreover, how can man enter into non-existence and escape or how can he hide under the earth from the majestic all-powerful one that is god of course while all, all happenings of the past which are his god's miracles of power testify that he is powerful over all possible things of the future and as it is observed he ever brings into existence the winter and the spring that are so similar to the hour of destruction and the assembly in the winter there is destruction in the spring there is a reassembly of things recreation of things since an accounting that befits him 
that befits God is not taking place in this world in relation to human beings of course and the judgment is not being passed of course this will move on to a supreme tribunal and then to tremendously great felicity inshallah now when we said um, that all happenings of the past which are his miracles of power testify that he is powerful over all possible things of the future Ustad Nursi opened up a somewhat lengthy side note there and inshallah now we will read that hashia side note evet zaman hazırdan ta ibtidai hilkati aleme kadar olan zaman mazi umumen vukuattır yes the past time from the present, the time that we are living in, to the beginning of the creation of the realm, mainly consists of actual occurrences. Here the word for actual occurrence is vuku'at. Vaka'a means to happen. Things that happened. We know that based on recordings, uh, reports of earlier people, uh, recordings that are inscribed in history, uh, an observation of the, uh, the, the evidence that is in the creation, let's say the observation of the stars in the firmament or geological findings and so on and so forth. We know that from the beginning of creation to the present time all that that has happened is actual occurrences i.e that is they happened we know that they happened that they, they are not possibilities they are actualities we know them we know that they happened vücuda gelmiş her bir günü her bir senesi her bir asrı birer satırdır birer sahifedir birer kitaptır ki kalemi kader ile tersim edilmiştir its days, so we are talk, talking about past time, right? Its days, years, and centuries that have come into existence are each a line, a page, and a book inscribed by the pen of divine determination. This is Qadar, divine determination. Desti kudret, mucizata ayatını onlarda kemali hikmet ve intizam ile yazmıştır. The hand of power, this of course refers to God's power, has written its miraculous signs in them, in those lines, pages, books of the past times, in them with perfect wisdom and orderliness. So we look and we see that things have happened. They must have an agent that made them happen, right? And based on other inferences we know by this point that that is god and because they happened we know that god is capable of doing all those things that are miraculous if big bang is accurate for instance imagine what a thing it is imagine all the substantive matter that now makes up the cosmos the galaxies, the stars, billions and billions of stars and galaxies. And, the, and and imagine the massiveness of all of that. All squeezed into a tiny volume. And imagine how that opens up in a nanosecond. 
and things start to form. The, the elements come into existence under pressure and heat from all those happenings of that moment and the other things that happen thereafter. Imagine how stars are almost like cauldrons in which these potions are being boiled and molecules and atoms and elements are being produced. Imagine life on earth. Imagine all of these things. They have all happened and God made them. We know that he is powerful, powerful in doing all of these. He is capable of doing all of these. Şu zamandan ta kıyamete, ta cennete, ta ebede kadar olan zamanı istikbal umumen imkanattır. Now we look at the future. This was the past. Now we look at the future. The future time from the present to the day of rising. The last day when everything will be destroyed. Then to paradise and all the way to eternity. So what was in the past is great and grand and miraculous and massive. But what is to come actually is even bigger. Day of rising, everything being destroyed, the paradise, and then eternity, forever. All of that mainly consists of possibilities. So this is from our point of view, of course. God is above time and the paradise, the hell, they're all present in a t in, in timeless time. So this is a concept that we will have difficulty grasping, but we just need to try and understand that God is the creator, we are created, and our abilities as the created beings are not fully up to the point in which we can comprehend God in his entity, in his essence. We cannot do that. But we can understand that something, sometimes we can even name it, that is beyond our full comprehension is valid and accurate and true and, and, and is there. So God is above and beyond time and therefore not restricted by time. Therefore, everything past and everything present and everything future is equally present in his knowledge and his access altogether. Therefore, the happenings of the future are actualities for him, but for us who have not witnessed it yet are bound by time and live in time and attached to it and move in it or move with it for us all happenings of the future that are mentioned in the scripture such as the day of rising the paradise or the hell and all the way to eternity mainly consist of possibilities they are not actualities but possibilities for us that is we do not know if they happened, if they, they are in existence, but we know that they are possible. They are not impossible. It is possible that there will be life after death. We are not talking about its actuality yet. We will come to it. But we know that they are possible. 
Yani mazi vukatır istikbal imkanattır. That is, the past consists of actual actual occurrences and the future consists of possibilities. İşte o iki zamanın iki silsilesi birbirine karşı mukabele edilse, nasıl ki dünkü günü halk eden ve o güne mahsus mevcudatı icat eden zat, yarınki günü mevcudatıyla halk, halk etmeye muktedir olduğu hiçbir vecihle şüphe getirmez. Now, if the two chains of those two times, i.e. the chain of events from now all the way to the beginning of creation and the chain of events from now all the way to eternity, if the two chains of those two times are held reciprocally, we put one on one side and the other on the other side and we are comparing one to the other now. As there is no doubt that the entity who brought the past day of yesterday, God, entity, Zod, right? We are referring to the Zod, entity, essence of God. The, as there is no doubt that the entity who brought the past day of yesterday and the beings of that day, i.e. the past time and everything that happened in the past time, into existence, the one who brought all of that into existence, is capable of creating, right? So now we have we have evidence from the past. He did all of that. And if he is capable of doing all of that, he is capable of creating the future day of tomorrow together with all of its beings. Right? This makes sense, right? He created everything in the past. And therefore, he is capable of creating everything that he says he will in the future. So this makes sense. It is possible. It does not push the mind, push the intellect beyond a boundary at which, beyond which point we consider things impossible. If he did that in the past, he is capable of doing this in the future. Öyle de şüphe yoktur ki, şu meydana garayip olan zaman-ı mazinin mevcudatı ve harikaları bir kadir-i zülcelalin mucizatıdır. Kat'i şehadet ederler ki, o kadir bütün istikbalin bütün mümkinatın icadına, bütün acaibinin izharına muktedirdir. Before reading the translation of this sentence, I will actually move um, a bit earlier, take from the beginning of the earlier sentence, so that there is a better flow of ideas, inshallah. If the two chains of those two times are held reciprocally, so the past and the future, we hold them reciprocally and we are comparing them. As there is no doubt in any way that the entity God, the entity of God, who brought the past day of yesterday and the beings of that day into existence is capable of creating the future day of tomorrow together with all of its beings. So there's no doubt in this, right? The one who created the past is capable of creating the future and everything that happens in them. In the same way, there is no doubt that the beings and wonders of the past time, which is this arena of amazements, are the miracles of an all-powerful possessor of majesty. So they are not just happenings, they, they are not just happen chance. If we think deeply about them, we see that they are all miracles. They're all things that leave us incapable of bringing an imitation of them. They all incapacitate us in our abilities to bring an imitation and they incapacitate 
everything in the creation to be able to do that. Not any human being, not the molecules, not the cells, not the living organisms, not the stars, not all of them put together in a combination. Nothing in the creation is capable of realizing what we observe has happened. They're all incapacitated. We see all of them incapable of doing that. We see all of them powerless to do that. And therefore we say, there is one beyond what we observe in this creation who created them all. That's what Marjuze is in this sense. That's what a miracle is in this sense. In the same way, there is no doubt that the beings and wonders of the past time, which is this arena of amazements, are the miracles of an all-powerful possessor of majesty. They all point us to him. And they all point us to the fact that he is all-powerful and he is the possessor of majesty. He is majestic. And they definitively bear witness that that all-powerful one is capable of bringing all the possibilities of the future into existence and exposing, showing, unveiling its amazements. So he's all-powerful, he's full of majesty. If, if he is all-powerful, then we grant that he is capable of, there's no doubt about this. If he's all-powerful, we grant without any doubt that he is capable of bringing all the possibilities of the future into existence and unveiling its amazements, the amazing things that we are told will happen. Evet, nasıl ki bir elmayı halk edecek? Elbette dünyada bütün elmaları halk etmeye ve koca baharı icat etmeye muktedir olmak gerektir. Baharı icat etmeyen bir elmayı icat edemez, zira o elma o tezgahta dokunuyor. Yes, in the way that whoever will create an apple, of course he has to be capable of bringing into existence all the apples on earth and the massive spring. So let's try to grasp this better. We are we want we have an apple and we are trying to attribute it to a creator who created this we have an apple and we are asking who created this and as we are searching we infer we come to the conclusion that of course the one whoever created this has to be capable of bringing into existence all the apples on earth and the massive spring he who does not bring the spring into existence cannot bring the apple into existence because that apple is being woven on that loom, i.e. the apple is created in the workshop of the spring. If we think of the apple as a fabric, it is being woven in the loom of the spring. So the one who created the apple has to be the one who created the spring. Because, as we said, we cannot attribute any of this to anything in the creation anyway. 
So we are looking for someone outside the creation. The creator has to be outside the creation. And then we say, well, the one who created the apple has to be the same one who created the spring. And when we apply this to everything as we will, we come to the conclusion that he is one. There cannot be more than one. There's perfect match. Everything fits together. And therefore, they all have to be coming from a single hand of power. Let's read this again. Yes, in the way that whoever will create an apple, of course, has to be capable of bringing into existence all the apples on earth and the massive spring. He who does not bring the spring into existence cannot bring the apple into existence because that apple is being woven on that loom. Bir elma, bir ağacın, belki bir bahçenin, belki bir kainatın misali musalgarıdır. Hem sanat itibariyle o koca ağacın bütün tarihi hayatını taşıyan elmanın çekirdeği itibariyle öyle bir harika sanattır ki onu öylece icat eden hiçbir şeyden aciz kalmaz. An apple is a small similitude of a tree, in fact an orchard, and in fact an entire universe. An apple is a small similitude of a tree. In the tree, you see the apple. All the attributes, qualities of the tree, they have to come together for the apple to come into existence. And in that, in that apple and through that apple in the tree and through the tree in the orchard, and when you think even deeper through the apple in the orchard, you see that all the attributes of the orchard have to come together for the apple to come into existence. Because that tree is not existing in a vacuum. The earth, the sun, the, the, the climate, the nutrition in the earth, the water, everything. Everything has to be there for the tree to, to be the tree, to grow like a tree. And that necessitates the orchard, the environment, right? And if you think deeper about it, the orchard necessitates, entails the existence of the entire cosmos because it is through the existence of that entire cosmos that this orchard came into existence. An orchard has a whole lot of carbon. And other other elements too, but carbon is probably the, the easiest one to think about. What is a carbon? Again, if Big Bang is true, or even if Big Bang is not true, at the early stages of creation, the, we don't have to deal with the process. We know that at the early stages of creation, based on what we observe in the uh, in the in the cosmos, there was no carbon. It was all hydrogen. How did carbon come into existence? Well, as we talked before, these stars are acting like cauldrons in which these portions are being boiled and, and the carbon is being produced. So each carbon element that makes up that apple, that makes up that tree, and all the trees and all the apples in the orchard, at some point was boiling in a portion in a star somewhere in the in the universe and therefore you cannot have that 
carbon element in that apple without the universe, the entire cosmos being in existence. The universe. That's why we talked about this before, right? It is universe. It is not multiverse. Everything is connected to one another. An apple is a small similitude of a tree, in fact an orchard, and in fact an entire universe. Moreover, from the point of view of its artistry, the artistry that is in the apple, the apple's seed that carries the entire life story of the massive apple tree is such a wonder of artistry that he who brings it into existence in the way that it is would not be incapable of anything. If everything that is in existence is necessary in order to put the apple together and even squeeze all the properties of the apple into a tiny seed, then whoever created that seed with such artistry, right? He has to be capable of creating everything because everything the creation of everything is necessary for that apple seed to exist he who brings it into existence in the way that it is would not be incapable of anything take a look at the seed he, he who he who created it in the way that it is cannot be incapable of anything i.e he has absolute power. His power, his capabilities are not limited, boundless. The concept of infinite may be misleading. We may not be able to conceive it fully, but if we say it this way, it is easier to understand. There is no bound. There is no limitation. Absolute. That is the meaning of absolute moves into everything, moves into moves in everywhere, moves in every direction. There is no limit to it. Öyle de bugünü halk eden kıyamet gününü halk edebilir ve baharı icat edecek haşin icadına muktedir bir zat olabilir. Thus, the one who creates today, the present day, just look around. Are there things in existence? Is this possibility or reality? Do you see things in actuality? You do. The one who creates that, the one who creates today, can create the day of rising. And the one, thus the one who creates today can create the day of rising and the one who will bring the spring into existence can only be someone who is capable of bringing the resurrection into existence. I am living in spring now, but I have a level of certainty unless the end of times comes unless the last day comes or there's something really extraordinary i have a level of certainty that spring will come whoever will bring the spring he is capable of bringing the day of rising too because 
although they are different in scale and and and what they include in their ingredients and content they are similar in their quiddity they are similar in what they are spring everything dies and disappears as if disappears and then as the time comes the with the command of kun be life moves into all those dead objects and from those seeds and from those little eggs there come out teeming life that's the day of rising and that is of course the meaning of the verse that inspired Ustad Nursi to write the tenth word it is not only that that worst it you know some people have studied this and they say that it is a digest of perhaps 300 or so verses but at the very beginning is the verse in which god tells us look whoever brought this into existence is capable capable of bringing that into existence thus the one who creates today can create the day of rising and the one who will bring the spring into existence can only be someone who is capable of bringing the resurrection into existence Zaman mazinin bütün alemlerini zamanın şeridine kemal hikmet ve intizam ile takıp gösteren elbette istikbal şeridine dahi başka kainatı takıp gösterebilir ve gösterecektir. The one who attaches all the realms of the past time on the real of time with perfect wisdom and orderliness and this is a, a an imagery that Ustad Nursi uses elsewhere too you can imagine time as a reel a cinematic reel with frames moving one after the other and god attaches the the actualities all things that are in existence at the given time to that reel one by one the one who attaches all the realms of the past time on the reel of time with perfect wisdom and orderliness can of course attach and demonstrate unfold another universe on the reel of the future and he will unfold he will demonstrate kaç sözlerde bilhassa 22. sözde gayet kati ispat etmişiz ki her şeyi yapamayan hiçbir şey yapamaz ve bir tek şeyi halk eden her şeyi yapabilir We have definitively proven in several words. Words, of course, is referring to the treatises in this book that we are reading, the words. We have definitively proven in several words, and especially the 22nd word, that he who cannot make everything cannot make anything. And whoever creates one thing can create everything. And of course, this relates to what we just talked about. Everything is related to everything and nothing can exist, exist without the existence of everything. And the science of ecology that is quite um, prominent and of primary concern to everybody around the world today, we understand this better to, to some extent. To some extent, it is limited to a study of how things relate to, to one another on the surface of the earth, right? But if we were to ex expand our understanding of that 
concept, ecology, to the entire existence, we would probably conceive uh, what is being mentioned here better. Everything is related to everything in the creation and nothing can exist without the existence of everything in the creation. The apple seed needs the galaxies to exist. Hem eşyanın icadı bir tek zata verilse bütün eşya bir tek şey gibi kolay olur ve suhulet peyda eder. Moreover, if bringing things into existence is attributed to a single entity, all things become easy, like one thing, and, and, and acquire facility. The creation of everything becomes easy. The whole process acquires facility. Eğer müteaddid esbaba verilse ve kesrete isnat edilse, bir tek şeyin icadı, bütün eşyanın icadı kadar müşkülatlı olur ve imtina derecesinde suubet peyda eder. If it is given, if bringing things into existence is given to a numerous causes, to numerous causes, and attributed to multiplicity, bringing one thing into existence would become as difficult as bringing everything into existence, and that difficulty would reach a prohibitive degree. I.e., it's not possible to attribute the creation of a single thing, anything, to anything or everything in the creation. That reaches a prohibitive degree. What that tells us is that the one who created one thing created everything. And the one who created everything is the creator of each thing that we can turn. And that's why, or one of the reasons why, we see God's signs wherever we turn. So this is the end of the side note that was in the uh, seventh truth. Inshallah, we will move on to the eighth truth. Sekizinci hakikat. Babu va'ad ve va'iddir. İsmi cemil ve celilin cilvesidir. Eighth truth. This is the gate of the promise of reward and the threat of punishment and it is the reflection of the names, the beautiful and the majestic, Al-Jamil and Al-Jalil. Hiç mümkün müdür ki? Is it at all possible? We by now know that this is the usual way that Ustad Nursi starts most of these uh, truths, and it is a logical uh, reasoning. He is asking, if, if is this possible? If it is not possible, what its opposite entails is true, necessary. If this is not possible, it is impossible. And what its opposite entails is necessary. So it is a very sound way of reasoning. Hiç mümkün müdür ki alimi mutlak ve kadiri mutlak olan şu masnuatın saniyi, bütün enbiyanın tevatürle haber verdikleri ve bütün sıddıkin ve evliyanın icma ile şehadet ettikleri mükerrer vaad ve vaid-i ilahisini yerine getirmeyip haşa acz ve cehlini göstersin. Is it at all possible that the artful maker of these artifacts, these artifacts, what we see, everything in the creation, 
Everything in the creation is an artifact. It is created with art. It is made with artistry. Is it at all possible that the artful maker of these artifacts, who is the absolute all-knower and the absolute all-powerful, how do we know? We know from the creation. And we went over this before. The one who creates all of this has to be all-knower and all-powerful. We won't go into detail now because we did this before. If that does not settle with you, please go ahead and listen to, well, at least the, the, the episodes of the 10th word, but it might be even better to listen to all of this from the beginning, from the first word on. And inshallah, what is to come too, even better, read the Risale Inur from beginning to end a few times until you feel that you are starting to understand. Is it at all possible that the artful maker of these artifacts, who is the absolute all-knower and the absolute all-powerful will, God forbid, show his impotence and ignorance? And again, we said that, God forbid, we are, we are not, uh, we, we, we are not uh, insinuating that there is any impotence, any degree of impotence and ignorance that can be associated with God. Right? Hasha, God forbid, would he ever, is it at all possible that he will show impotence and ignorance by not fulfilling his repeated divine promises of reward and threats of punishment? How do we know that he repeatedly uh, promises reward and threatens with punishment? That all prophets have informed about with broad authentication and all the voracious ones and saints bear witness with consensus. We know that. We know that he is promising reward and threatening with punishment from the fact that all prophets have informed us about it with broad authentication, that is with Tawatur. Tawatur is a report that cannot be a lie based on the fact that it is reported through multiple chains of transmission with separate origins. And it is impossible for those origins to agree upon something that is a lie. They don't see one another, they don't communicate with another, they are not acting in unison, they are in different places, in separate places, in this case separate times, and they cannot agree upon something that is a falsehood because falsehood, once you say, once you refer to a single truth, it's a single truth. And if they all know it, they will all say the same thing. But if they are all referring to a falsehood, falsehood can be anything. And therefore, they cannot agree. They cannot possibly agree on a falsehood unless there is some kind of communication agreement among them. And we know through historical evidence that that is not the case. Therefore, all prophets have informed us about those promises of reward and threats of punishment with broad authentication. And, the, and all the voracious ones, those who have witnessed, realized, and come to a point where at, at which they they um, deserve the title Siddiq, voracious. They see God in everything and they don't see the causes. And therefore they see truth as truth, reality as reality. So this is Siddiq. And, and they, that's a degree above sainthood. They are saints 
and that's a degree above uh, the, the rest of saints. They are, the, let's say, they are the elite of the saints. All the voracious ones, those who realized, right, who have, who are given access to information that is not normally conventionally uh, available, unveiled to everybody on a regular basis. But because of the rank that they, they have attained with their Lord, this information is given to them, unveiled to them. The voracious ones and saints bear witness with consensus. So we know that there's reward of punishment, reward, uh, promise of reward and threat of punishment from the reports of the prophets, the voracious ones, and the saints. Now, that's not all of it. We learn the details, we, we learn about the content, how it is going to be, uh, all of that from them. But if one were to read through the first seven truths that we read through before, one would also recognize in there that well, this makes sense based on what we observe in the creation too. There is perfect order and justice. Everything is put where it belongs to. Everything is done with wisdom in the sense that everything has a purpose in the creation and nothing is wasted and nothing is left without wisdom. There is one exception. Human beings. When we look at humanity, we don't see the justice, that absolute justice that we would expect from the creator of everything. We don't see that in effect. But we know that he is absolutely just. So this one exception then is the, the exception that proves the rule. And there is no way that he is going to leave it as it is. This will be set right. This will be fixed. It is just a matter of time. It is spread over time. What we see is what we see at the given moment, but what we don't see the past and the future. And if what we see in the given moment indicates that the creator of all of this has all those attributes and is just talking about one of the attributes that we refer to in the, in the truths, he is absolutely just, then we expect that this is going to be fixed, spread over time. There will come a time when absolute justice will be established with regard to the humankind too. So therefore, the promise of reward and punishment is there in the observed cosmos too and can be inferred with the intellect. But again, the intellect will pro is very likely to get lost. And therefore, he is sending these guides, the prophets, the voracious ones, the saints, Rijalullah. God has his, his men among men. And they are reporting to us that God is promising. Now, why should we believe them? Why should we believe that the prophets are doing this? One, one, one proof, one evidence is already given in this sentence. They are saying this with broad authentication. They are all saying the same thing and we know that they did not communicate. At least in this world, in, in, the, in the visible realm. In the, in the metaphysical realm, they may have communicated, but we are looking at the visible realm. That's what, where we are collecting our evidence now. So if they are all saying this with broad authentication, they, they must be true. But there are other ways to think about this. When we look at them one by one, or as it will come later in this treatise, when we look at the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, we know that he never told a lie in his life. 
He was a mean. He was trustworthy. He had perfect character. Even his enemies granted that. So if a person like that says so, it is true. And all the other prophets have the same qualities. They are innocent. They are true to their message. Therefore, we believe them. Now, if one were to try to prove the non-existence of something, if they all came and said, there is no life after death, that could cast some level of doubt on their claim in the sense that in order to prove the non-existence of something, one has to look through the universal realm, all of the past, all of the future, and everything that's in existence in space, all of time and space. That's the way to prove the non-existence of something unless there's a way to prove the impossibility of its existence. But we are here talking about actuality, right? Does it exist or does it not exist? If I wanted to prove the existence of a pen in my room, what I would need to do would be to look through the room and, and find a pen and show it to you. So to prove the existence of something, one has to just show it, give one evidence. But to prove the non-existence of something, one has to grasp the entire time and space all together all at once and demonstrate. So that's very difficult. What they are claiming is not the non-existence of the hereafter. What they are claiming is the existence of the hereafter. And, and, and if one of them saw it and he's voracious, he's trustworthy, or if one of them communicated with the creator of everything who is in, for whom it is impossible to lie and he tells us he tells us i i communicated with the creator everything he says that there is then it is easy to believe now faith is not about logic faith starts in the heart and there will always be some whose hearts will will will will be corrupted and not inclined to believing truth even if it is presented in plain sight but what we are talking about here is that logically it is easy to believe in this to the degree of necessity all the prophets all the voracious ones and saints who have access to the metaphysical realm to the unseen world and in the case of the prophets to direct communication with the creator of everything say that God is promising reward and threatening us with punishment and therefore let's read this again is it at all possible that the artful maker of these artifacts who is the absolute all-knower and the absolute all-powerful will god forbid show impotence and ignorance by not fulfilling his repeated divine promises of reward and threats of punishment that all prophets have informed about with broad authentication and all the voracious ones and saints bear witness with consensus halbuki va'ad ve va'idinde bulunduğu emirler kudretine hiç ağır gelmez is it at all possible that he is going to do and that is while the things that he promises and threatens with are not at all heavy to his power they are not difficult for him we just went over what the past proves as to the possibilities of the future he is all-powerful 
And Ustad Nursi, when he refers to God with his attributes and names, he never does that randomly. Uh, if he could go back and pay attention, the names that he brought up are the artful maker of these artifacts, who is absolute all-knower and absolute all-powerful. And now he is saying the things that he promises and threatens with are not at all heavy, difficult for his power. What can be difficult for absolute power? Absolute means no limit. There is no limit to his power and therefore nothing is difficult for him. Pek hafif ve pek kolay. They are quite light and quite easy. Geçmiş baharın hesapsız mevcudatını gelecek baharda kısmen aynen, kısmen mislen iadesi kadar kolaydır. And there are two side notes here. I'm going to read the second time with the side notes in Turkish and then in English I'm going to read the side notes, incorporate the side notes. Geçmiş baharın hesapsız mevcudatını gelecek baharda kısmen aynen haşiye 1, ağaç ve otların kökleri gibi, kısmen mislen haşiye 2, yapraklar meyveler gibi iadesi kadar kolaydır. So they are quite light what he promises and threatens with are quite light and quite easy. As easy as the return of the past spring's beings part identically. Side note, like the roots of trees and plants and part similarly or part in simile, part in similitude. Side note, like leaves and fruits. Now, is it easy to return what was there in the past spring and summer after everything dies in the winter again in the coming spring? Not for me. If I was put in charge, I would not be able to do it. But we see when the spring comes that it is happening with ease. With absolute ease. And what that tells us that he is absolutely powerful over all things. And therefore, because he is the absolutely all-powerful one, he is doing this with ease. It is as easy for him as... What is easy? Fulfilling his promise of reward and threat of punishment is as easy for him as the return of the past spring's beings part identically like the roots of trees and plants and part similarly like leaves and fruits. So why are we talking about identical, similar? Well, that's what's going to happen in the hereafter. That's going to be a different creation unlike the previous one in the sense that in the sense that the quality will be different, the quantity will be different, right? But there, there will also be a continuity. Now, in the creation, uh, if you think deeply about it, identicalness does not exist. Everything is in some way different from the other things and this is across time and across space me five seconds ago may look exactly like me but there are many things that happened in me in the five seconds if i look at the wall in the house that i've been living for 10 years it is the same wall and this was a room that was not frequently used and therefore we did not need to paint the wall it's the same color same shape same place 
does that mean that it did not change? But if I were to come here, let's say 500 years from now, I have certainty that this wall would have crumbled. So if the wall is crumbling over 500 years, even if I'm not talking about somebody coming and destroying it, even if it, if it were left alone, if it is crumbling over 500 years, how can that happen if there is no change from moment to moment? If there is no change from this moment to the next, and next to the next, next to the next, next to the next, next to the next, how can that ever be changed? So something is happening in the wall. Now that we have electron microscopes and all sorts of other instruments and tools, we know that the wall is a tremendously dynamic object in which there are all these atoms and molecules and particles and subparticles and whatnot. So therefore there is change, transformation in the wall from moment to moment. God is creating and recreating and each time he creates he shows the absoluteness of his attributes and therefore the manifestations of his attributes in the sense that there's no limit to to his creation and to his creativity and to his will he can bring about bring into existence everything that's in possibility and all possibilities of existence that are possible for this wall he is doing that he is bringing them into existence as he wills there are possibilities that he wills he chooses not to bring into existence too right but important what's important here is that at a deeper level there is no identicality in existence however there is continuity so Ustad Nursi, when he says part identical, he is referring to continuity. The roots of the tree look like the roots that were there last year. The branches, they look like they were there last year. I can recognize this if, if uh, you know, somebody took a picture, somebody showed me a picture of the tree in my yard from, um, you know, 20 years ago, I could tell, well, this is that tree and that's that tree. Because I know the shape of the tree, there might be slight changes, but there is continuity in the tree, right? So there is continuity and there is change, and they both serve different pur purposes in the sense of the manifestations of God's names and attributes, God's self-revelation. So that he is going to, um, again, this was somewhat of a tangent, that he is that it is easy for him to fulfill his promise and threat is as easy as the return of the past springs beings part identically like the roots of trees and plants and part similarly or part in similitude like leaves and fruits he is doing it all the time he is doing it all the time and we witness that it is being done in ease therefore it is easy if it is easy if he has the power over it, why would he show ignorance and impotence? That, that doesn't make sense. İfayı ve adise hem bize hem her şeye hem kendisine hem saltanat rububiyetine pek çok lazımdır. As for fulfilling his promise of reward, it is utmostly necessary for us, human beings. We talked about this before. We need eternity our hearts attached to things and 
if there is if eternity is not there if this is the be all and all if everything is going to come to an end and become annihilated that lacerates our hearts we can't take it we don't want it we we need it we need it it is utmostly necessary for us for everything everything needs it everything wants it everything in the creation is inclined to to to um perpetuating its existence for the living objects is through procreation for the non-living objects it is that memory that we refer to that holds them together for him for God now of course when we use the word necessary for God we are not referring to any kind of limitation what we are referring to is that the the, the God that we learn about that we know about by observing the manifestations of his attributes in the creation that knowledge entails that this is what's going to happen otherwise it is fully possible it is fully within the realm of possibility that he may choose after all of this is over he may choose to annihilate everything but what we observe and what we learn from his message in the quran that he is going to perpetuate this existence he is going to give continuity to this existence in a different realm therefore that entails that that entails that fulfilling his promise and reward is necessary for him again not in the sense of wujub wujub is a word that we use in a uh, technical word that we use in kalam in the in dialectical theology right and it is translated as necessary and and the, the opposite of that is impossible and what remains between impossibility and necessity is possible what relates to God's creation falls in the realm of possibility we don't say this is necessary for God to create and we don't say that this is impossible for God to create it is all possible for him he does whatever he wants and he chooses whatever whatever he wills however wisdom entails that he is going to give perpetuity to those things on which he manifests himself because there is no end no limit to his attributes his names names and attributes and if the names and attributes are unlimited eternal what they manifest on should also be given eternity therefore wisdom entails that god will give perpetuity to his creation god will give perpetuity to his slaves in an abode that is to come after the one that in which we live similarly if he promised reward and punishment and as we know him it is inconceivable with the knowledge the logic the intellect the order of things that we have it is inconceivable for us to think that he will not fulfill his promise and in that sense it is necessary for him from our point of view it is necessary for him it entails that he will fulfill his promise so with a slight tweak in language 
perhaps it is better for us to use the word inconceivable. Based on the information that we have here, it is inconceivable that he is not going to fulfill his promise or threat. That's inconceivable. And therefore, it is in that sense, it is necessary for him and for the royal power of his lordship. That's all what, all what we have been talking about in all of these uh, truths. It is inconceivable for God, as we know about him, as we learn about him from his creation, it is inconceivable that he is not going to fulfill his promise of reward and threat of punishment. Hulful vaadise hem izzet iktidarına zıttır, hem ihatay ilmiyesine münafidir. As for breaking his promise, that would contradict the dignity of his power and conflict with the comprehensiveness of his knowledge. Zira hulful vaad ya cehilden ya acizden gelir. That is because breaking a promise is either from ignorance or impotence. Is that not so? If I promise to my friend that I'm going to give him um, $5,000 in a month and a month passes and my friend comes to me there will be only two reasons why I may have promised that $5,000 and I do not fulfill my promise. One is that, well, I don't have the $5,000. I thought I would. I thought I would and I actually intended to give it, perhaps. I thought I would. But if I'm, I'm truthful, right? I'm truthful, I'm trustworthy. But I don't give the $5,000 because Although I thought I was going to have $5,000 to give to my friend, I do not have it. That's impotence from one point of view. And that's ignorance from another point of view because a month ago, I thought I would have $5,000, but I did not know that I was not going to have it. I had ignorance a month ago. I'm impotent now after a month. So breaking a promise for, for a trustworthy person. Breaking a promise is either from ignorance or impotence. And God is trustworthy. There is no reason why he would not be trustworthy. And that, that, that would also um, contradict his being the all-powerful one because when somebody is not trustworthy, he is trying to uh, you know, gain some benefit, gain some benefit by lying. But God does not need that. He is all-powerful. What benefit does he need? He doesn't need anything. Therefore, he's, he's, I mean, it's, again, it's inconceivable for him not to be trustworthy. And we observe that he is all-powerful. We know that he is all-knower. Therefore, he doesn't... He, he, therefore, he is going to fulfill his, his promise. He doesn't break his promise. Ey münkir! Bilir misin ki küfür ve inkarın ile ne kadar ahmakça bir cinayet işliyorsun ki kendi yalancı vehmini, hezeyancı aklını, aldatıcı nefsini tasdik edip hiçbir vecih ile hulf ve hilafa mecburiyeti olmayan ve hiçbir vecih ile hilaf onun izzetine, haysiyetine yakışmayan ve bütün görünen şeyler ve işler sıdkına ve hakkaniyetine şehadet eden bir zatı tekzip ediyorsun. Oh the denier! Now, at this point, we need to remember the representational story at the beginning of this treatise. There were two friends there who found themselves in a paradise-like place, like this world, 
and one deny the existence of a creator and someone in charge and reward and punishment thereafter the other was smart and fortunate and and tried to convince his friend and the friend was eventually convinced right so the the reference here is to that that friend who denied in the representational story and of course by extension to our comprehensive lower souls who don't want the existence of someone someone in charge to whom we would have to be in a state of obedience right the nest the composite soul doesn't want that it wants eternity it's conflicted in itself it wants perpetuity and eternity and so on and so forth but it does not want someone who is going to give it because then it has to submit to uh, to to his power right and by extension, it can be those who are giving into their compulsive souls all around the world to the deniers, the disbelievers, and those who deny the existence of God's reward and God's threat, God's punishment. Oh, the denier, do you know what an idiotic crime you are committing with your disbelief and denial that you are affirming your lying delusional imagination nonsensical intellect and deceptive compulsive soul and belying an entity who is in no way compelled to breaking or contradicting his promise breaking a promise does not suit his dignity and stature in any way and all that is seen bears witness to his veracity and truthfulness so Yes, it is possible for a human being to deny. God gave us that capacity. It's not possible for an angel to do that. They do not have the capacity for choosing evil. But it is possible for a human being to choose evil. God created it for a test and trial. But that is a crime. That is a crime and that is an idiotic crime. Because one who denies and disbelieves affirms the lying delusional imagination uses the intellect intellect is a tool it can be used for good or for evil and he follows nonsensical intellect i.e he uses the intellect for an evil purpose and follows the deceptive compulsive soul the, the, the compulsive soul cannot base its choices its impulses on a consideration of the big picture on what is to come in the future it is compulsive it is impulsive that's what impulse means right you, you you give immediate response without a careful consideration of the situation it is possible to imagine it is possible to imagine for human beings a world in which they are not bound by the commands of the all-powerful one but that is a, that would be a delusional imagination it would not be a logical one. It would not be a, a valid one. It would not be a voracious one. So the one who denies and is in a, remains in a state of disbelief is committing an idiotic crime by following his lying, delusional imagination, nonsensical intellect, and deceptive compulsive soul and be lying an entity so you are following all those nonsensical things and what are you belying in turn 
belying an entity who is in no way compelled to breaking or contradicting his promise. It's inconceivable for him to break or contradict his promise. And we know from all these prophets and saints and, and, and uh, the voracious ones, and also the evidence from the universe that he is making this promise. How can we belie him then? Breaking a promise does not suit his dignity and stature in any way. And all that the scene bears witness to his veracity and truthfulness. Nihayetsiz, nihayetsiz küçüklük içinde nihayetsiz büyük cinayet işliyorsun. Within your endless smallness, in your pettiness, you are committing an endlessly big crime. Why is it endlessly big? How can it not be endlessly big? Casting aspersions on the one who created everything and who has absolute power and dignity. Saying that he is lying, suggesting, even thinking that he is a liar in his promise of reward and threat of punishment, that he is not all powerful or all knowing, because breaking a promise comes from either not knowing or not having the power to fulfill it. Or that is that he is not trustworthy? Is that not a crime? We need to think about it. Within your endless smallness, who are you? Who am I? When I say you, I'm referring to my compulsive soul here. Who am I? Absolute poverty and absolute impotence is what defines my essence. Who am I here in this state that I am going to cast such, such aspersions on his dignity? Is that not a crime? May God protect us. May God protect us. Elbette büyük cezaya müstahak olursun. Of course you will deserve a big punishment. Bazı ehli cehennemin bir dişi daha kadar olması cinayetinin büyüklüğüne bir mikyas olarak haber verilmiş. That a single tooth of some of the people of hell is as big as a mountain is reported as a unit of comparison to understand the magnitude of this crime. And that's in the hadith, in the prophetic traditions. Some of the people of hell will have teeth as big as mountains. So they will have more to absorb the pain, more to experience the pain. Those who are sent to paradise, their senses, their faculties of perception will expand to, to enjoy more. And those who are sent to hell, their faculties, their perceptions will expand to experience the agony of hell more. Misalin şu yolcuya benzer ki, güneşin ziyasından gözünü kapar, Kafası içindeki hayaline bakar. Vehmi bir yıldız böceği gibi kafa fenerinin ışığıyla dehşetli yolunu tenvir etmek istiyor. Your likeness would be like a traveler who closes his eyes to sunlight and looks at his imagination within his head. Like a firefly 
his delusion tries to illuminate his dreadful path with the flashlight of his head. The sun is out and shining. It's illuminating the path. The Quran and the prophetic model is illuminating the path for us. But some of us choose not to look at the path in that light. We just close our eyes. We cannot blow off the sun by closing our eyes, but we can make it dark for ourselves on the path. But we cannot proceed in darkness either. Therefore, we start imagining a light in our heads. It's delusional. It is not real. It's not going to illuminate anything. It's just going to give us the sense that there is some kind of light out there, but it's not light at all. It's just in our imagination. It's like a firefly flying in the dark. And of course, there's a metaphor. The, the fireflies do not beam light in order to illuminate the, their way. Uh, they are trying to attract their mates. But the metaphor is meaningful. We don't look at the reality of these things. We look at the lesson that's to be attained from it. Like a firefly who is flying in the dark and beams a moment of light and thinks that that is what is going to show it the way. What is the momentous light that comes from a firefly in comparison to the sun? What is that delusional light that is in our minds once we close our eyes to reality as reality is in comparison to the sun of the Quran and the prophetic model? Madam şu mevcudat hak söyleyen sadık kelimeleri şu hadisatı kainat doğru söyleyen natık ayetleri olan Cenab-ı Hak vaat etmiş Elbette yapacaktır. Bir mahkemeyi kübra açacaktır. Bir saadeti uzma verecektir. Since the sublime real, Cenab-ı Hak, God, sublime real, whose voracious, truth-bearing words that these existent beings and truth-speaking articulate signs that the events of this universe are, has promised, of course he will do. He will open a supreme tribunal. He will give a most great felicity. May we, may we be the recipients of his mercy so that we attain, we attain that felicity through his mercy to eternity. And may we escape his wrath in the supreme tribunal. His reward is great and his punishment is great. We need to hope for the first and fear the second. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma allamtana innaka antal alimul hakim wa akhir dawahu man alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin al-fatiha.